say, Boris, take Whitney Houston. We need you to mix it or whatever records were being offered at that time. Oh, tons. I would get calls all the time, I mean, to do remixes and stuff like that. And I did them, you know. Um, my early days before that, you know, uh, a lot, I was doing actually a lot of, like, commercial remixes during, like, the early days of, like, because uh, I had a partner, his name was Beck, who went Boris and Beck. And we did a lot of different records from Britney Spears, Rick, Ricky Martin, Gloria Estefan, the Pinks, the list goes on. You know, we did all those commercial remixes and that. So I was kind of like already into that, you know, into the world of dance mixes, but with, you know, with those type of, with the, those type of A&Rs. It's just when I went to the, like more towards the Crowbar, went more, during Crowbar and Pasha, is when I more focus more on the underground stuff. Like I, oh. I yeah, and then I started doing my own stuff. Um, because we went our separate ways and then I just went and 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 did my own stuff at the time and you know doing I mean different remixes for different different artists uh and and making different different tracks. I mean so I was I I, I focused more on the underground stuff during that period. So you're making basically records that you want to play for your crowd. Correct. Because when I was making those records, I was not playing them. I was going to ask you. No, nah, I wasn't playing them. Commercial product. Wasn't doing it. Wasn't playing it. Truthfully, I was. it, it, it was a cash grab. That's what it was. Because at the time, when you were doing big mixes for big labels such as Sony and epic and, and and universal and and whatever they were paying you a lot of bread a lot well yeah and you have to click you know but yet that means you're getting these very pop sounding records and you kind of have to translate and become somewhat of a good dance mix to it per right. se right how do you, you know, how do you go and say, I'm going to play this for 5,000 people that I know I play underground, like a Razor and Guido record. It ain't going to happen, right? It it's no, it wasn't happening and it wasn't playing them. And I was just do doing them to get paid. That's really the reality of what it was. Get that cash cow. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Cha I mean, listen, when, he, you know, when Sony's coming to you and say, can you do a remix for 12 grand? Sure. I can't do that for that money. I yeah. You know, I mean, the first, first, like, I remember the first remix I, we got hired for. It was a Sasha record, but believe it or not. And it was for like five grand in like 90, I don't even know, four, five. No, no, actually it was like 96, 97. And I'm like, okay, this is easy. And then from there on in, because there was not a lot of guys doing that. And the guys that were doing it were getting paid. Like, as you know, Lenny, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, were guys getting 20, 30 grand a clip to do a remix. And it was only got 100,000. We, oh. we all sat back and went, 100,000 for a remix? Holy shit. I was like, damn, 20, 30K. I was like, holy shit. I was happy to do them for 10 <laughs> back then. You imagine, man. Can you out, wait, wait, and knock out four or five a month? No problem. Oh, can you imagine getting 10 grand a remix now? A remix now? <laughs> oh, God, I would scream. Yeah. 
the label every every A and R would be would be fired at the at, at the every major label, right? <laughs> they wouldn't last a week. Forget no. about it. Yeah. Out, out the door. What what so, a time. Oh yeah, that's another glory part that that was a big hardship when 9-11 happened because yeah. not too long after those dance departments in New York were all scrapped. Oh scrapped. Scrapped. Let me breathe that in, everybody. This is one thing that's making me remember all these great things. Oh my God. Um <laughs> bringing you back, huh? Because the thing is, you would say now. Now, I'm a DJ, so I would get a record from, say, Forrest and Beck, and I went, he ain't playing this. Nah, I ain't playing this. I know, I know what he's playing. I know what I'm playing. There's no way he's playing. He's making these records for who? I mean, I wasn't playing any Britney Spears remixes at the Rocks. No. <laughs> but maybe maybe what you would have done was take one word, one part, make this there you go. dub track, and go to the But back then, you're, like, you're not getting high to do a dub track because the artist wants a full remix of their song. Because back then, those artists had a lot of say in remixes and approving them, as you know. Recall. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. How many times I heard that one? Boris, can you, we need you to go back in and recall the mix. Oh, man. Oh, man. What does that mean exactly when you're recalling? Oh, man. Recall. What that means is, so he sends up the mix to the A&R men who hired him. And they hear the mix and they go, they ring the phone, Boris, listen, I love you, man, but this is just not what we're feeling. You're like, how do you handle that? You know, you got to now go back in again and start reprogramming, right? You have to try yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Or they think they heard somebody, something someone else did. Now they want you to do what that record's doing. It's like, no, but that's not what you do. No. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I look back at it now and I'm like, wow. Like, all the work, all the, like, hours upon hours of that doing that what would you say your best work was that you you're really proud of you know from that era from that era i would say pink i remember we did it went number one our remix it was uh get the party started remember that song so it was it was a remix for pink um so it was a number one record our remix went you know and uh let's say that was probably one of my favorites back then because as actually, cause pink was hot at the time and she was not so poppy where you could not, not play it at a party. Like, you know, that, the get, you know, like that particular track was actually being played in clubs, get the party started. Right. I remember that record. I remember yeah, it I mean, played. Yeah, so it was played, and, and I actually played it, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a great track. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that was... Okay. During a... So Boris got this kind of power in New York. You know, you got five, ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 people that you could play a record and break it. Is Boris thinking... <laughs> I'm going to talk in third part. Is Boris thinking about making a record that possibly could become a hit himself yet? At that time, or you just loving the remix world thing? No, I mean, you, of, of course, you're thinking about you know making a hit record, and uh, 
and taking it to the next level. And I wasn't doing any more remixes. I was on my own. And, 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 and during that whole era of, uh, you know, the crowbar Pasha era, the golden years, I want to, I, I call it, cause that's what they were. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and then I, I, I transitioned into doing underground records. That's what I want to hear about. And, uh, you know, Why did you transition to doing underground records? I'm going to be a, I'm going to be the, you know, the, 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 the devil's advocate. Why? Why would you do such a thing? Well, the reality is, I wasn't into those commercial remixes, and like I mentioned, it was just a cash grab, and I wasn't playing them. They were just whatever, and I didn't want to be known as the guy. Oh, Boris, the underground DJ, but he's doing these pop mixes. And no, I didn't really want to do it. It wasn't in my heart. You know, I kind of went my own way. And, you know, especially it was a whole, like, you know, you know, like those clubs were underground clubs, even though they were big rooms, you were playing masses, but it was underground music. So they were not coming to hear a Britney Spears remix. They were coming to hear like some banging underground, you know, shit. And so I was like, I can't make those kind of records anymore. So I just started doing like, you know, my whole thing was, I like, I started doing a lot of tribal house records. That was like my thing, you know, and, and every, during my kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like moving up in the, in the game, like everyone knew me as like tribal. Like that was my thing. Like I, all the parties that I was playing, it was like I was always into the tribal sound. That, that was my thing. Drums and drums and like I was. I always loved it since day one of music. Uh, you know, I remember just you know going to Sound Factory and listening to Junior, and 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 he was, you know, he's big into tribal. So that's how I I became kind of like you know, more into that sound. And that's what I was playing. And during the Crowbar era and, and Pasha era, that's what, you know, people knew me at, but of course, you know, I, I transitioned to other stuff, like more techno stuff, harder stuff, big room stuff, whatever, you know. I, I You know, I, I like to be versatile when I was playing, especially, again, resident DJ, playing open to close, not playing for two hours. Like, mostly what's going on now. Um, so you had to pretty much play everything, like whether it's, you know, house or tech house or tribal or some trance, whatever, you know, whatever it is. So big room stuff. And uh, yeah, that, that kind of got me into like doing like more underground records and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, obviously transitioned into like more uh i would say what like more like techno more you know just all across the board i was all all across the board i, I one day i could do a techno record a day another day i could do a tribal record another day i could do a house record and that's really what my thing was i, I just wanted to make good records not like oh well he, you know, I didn't want to be labeled as the guy. Well, he's a techno producer, or he's a he's a house producer, or he's a tribal producer. 
nah, I, I, I kind of wanted to be versatile. And that's what people knew me as, you know? No, you know, that's what I was known for. Which part do we say now? Is this underground thing is happening? Are you starting to travel more? Is that what, is this where your life's taking you? Is this, I, I mean, I, I travel not as much as I used to. Uh, I used to travel almost every week, but um, the game has slowed down a bit in terms of traveling. A lot, a lot of different markets are not the markets that we've known, you know, um, to be at anymore. Those markets are gone, gone. the promoters are gone, the, you know, the crowd is gone. So you, you got to kind of like adapt to the new, the new younger generation uh, and do whatever you got to do uh, to, to grab them, you know? And then, uh, so that's, you know, I, I don't travel as much, but I play as much, you know, whether it's uh, New York or Chicago or Miami or whatever, East Coast, more, uh, West Coast, the States, um, but I still do my, my, my share of traveling. Okay, so now, of course, you, you know, you've been doing this for a long, long time, a couple of decades. I can say how long. So COVID comes and bang, we all go into a complete stop, halt. Okay? You can see he's very comfortable right now. He's going to tell you where he is right now. <laughs> COVID, COVID comes and life changes. What do you do being that? You've been so long in the game of the music industry. Where does this take you? So during COVID, um, obviously, the first thing to go was nightclubs and, and parties and the scene was, was it was and, and it was just literally done. Decimated, right? Dead silence, taken away, closed, no more traveling, no more playing music. That's it. Can't, so naturally, as a working jock, traveling one at, at, at that, um, saying to myself, what am I going to do next? Like, when is this over? This doesn't look like it's going to be over anytime soon. And just like everybody else, what, what are we going to do? Like, what do you do? You, you, you 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 basically improvise and you do whatever you got to do, and many people did whatever they had to do, whether it was stock market, different careers, different stuff, uh, doing streams, um, doing whatever they had to do to earn. And ironically, I've had a home in Miami for the last twelve years. So during COVID. I pretty much was like, I'm out of New York. I'm going down south. And, you know, for the most part, Miami was 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 pretty much, it was closed for a couple of months, but it was open and people were doing whatever they're doing and, and life was was going on as is in sure. here, here in Miami, in Florida, period. So, you know, and, and um, I started hanging out with many different people. Uh, with those people being on a boat. And a lot of those people had yachts. And I was never into boats, never really cared for them. Did was just, they were just whatever to me. So I just kind of got into like hanging out on different people's boats and stuff like that and having, having like 
because that's all you could do here in Florida, like here in Miami. Like, what else you could do? There was, you know, just go on the water and just hang with your friends and play music or hanging out or whatever. And I just became really, really intrigued by the whole boating thing. And I said to myself, wait a minute. Like, I have such a big network of people. I know so many people that come down to Florida, come down to Miami, party, do this, do that, you know, come, go out, go on boats, whatever. And I rent boats, parties, whatever. And saying to myself, let me buy a boat. <laughs> so sure enough, I, I hooked up with, with one particular guy. We got a small boat. Didn't really work out. Um, but the whole thing was me eventually getting a bigger boat to do charters, you know. Um, and I started actually doing side charters with the people that I became friends with, like chartering out their boats. And they had big boats, 70, 80 footers, you know, big yachts. And people were coming down. And I and it was easy for me. I'd make one or two calls and hey, listen, um, you're into, you know, they're coming down to Florida, whatever. Let, let me know. You need any boats? I got you, you know? And sure enough. Wait, wait, everybody, listen to that. I got you. That's a hustler. Here we go. <laughs> got you, baby. Don't worry. You come down, you get potted. You get a potted. You, you know, I got you. You know, there were guys, believe me, like I was talking to guys and they were. And they were scrambling. A lot of DJs, a lot of guys in the industry, they were they were gone. They were getting jobs. They were doing whatever they got to do. Driving Uber, doing deliveries, um, whatever, man. Doing streams, which I did streams as well. Yeah, we remember you did them. I know. Yeah, but, um, you know, though everybody did streams. It was just, but to me, like, I needed to make real money. That's just the reality of it. Like, um... I wasn't looking to make a couple of dollars here and there. So, you know, by me and, and the network of people I knew, I just started getting into the boating world and, and, and knowing a lot of people and a lot of, you know, a lot of people were coming down and renting boats. And then I was just like, you know what? You know, at the same time, I'm, I'm looking for my own boat, um, my own yacht to buy. And sure enough, uh, Something came, you know, something came up and I, I purchased uh, my own yacht and it's, 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 it's been, it's been amazing. I, I mean, can I, joke? can I make a joke? You can, can, make, can no joke. let me make a joke. Everybody. My name is Elmo Fudd. I have a yacht. <laughs> I'm a millionaire. I have a yacht. And this reminds me, of, I am so impressed for you that you've been able to buy a yacht, bro. <laughs> but I say that in a, in a very loving way is because it was a very tough time for everybody and you, and you made something out of nothing happen. So pretty much, you know, the money that I saved during the years, smart man, I was, you know, I said to myself, what can I invest in that? I will make my money back. I said, and it, and it's, Buying a yacht is like buying a house. That's exactly right. I was gonna say. That's what it is. You, it, the maintenance work and all that. But the difference between that is that yacht makes you a lot of money. 
as opposed to the real estate where you, 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 you know, unless you're doing rent, you know, unless you're, you're, you're Airbnb in your house, or you sure. but in the boating world, because let's be real. I mean, you look outside the window and you're in Miami and people love coming down here. It's warm 365 days a year for the most part. Right. Sunny. It's hot. People love coming down here. It's a quick flight and people love going on the water. I've, I've, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's whether it's people a party, whether it's families, whether it's bachelorette parties, whether it's couples, whether whatever, everybody, I've learned that everyone likes the water and everyone likes to be on a yacht. Yeah, it's true. You're right. It's just, so if you, so, so if I called you, Mr. Boris, and I want to book a charter, what's it roughly cost someone to do something at that level on your yacht? And how many hours is it in the whole street? So we usually do four, six, eight. Um, by the way, my company and the boat's name is Supreme Charters. Supreme Charters. Okay. So, uh, four, so eight people, right? Yeah, 13. 13 max. 13 okay. max, but my boat, obviously, I've had 30, but they've, they've been with me, you know. But during charters, is only 13 people. It's it's actually the law in Miami, so you can't do many more. Um, and, then, yeah, I mean, you, we do four, six, eight hours. We do Bimini trips. We do the Keys. Oh, wow. Um, nice. Yeah, we, you know, pretty much the whole coastal of Miami. Um, it's really it, you know, it's, and, 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 and for that per diem, what are we talking? If I wanted to book eight people to come and hang for, let's just say four hour boat charter. Four hour charters usually go range from 2,500 and up. Okay. Pretty reasonable. You get, you get like, you know, couple couples or, or, or some guys with some girls you know, five, $600 each, it's, it's worth it. Believe me. Cause when I, before I bought my boat, okay. That's what I was doing. We were doing that. Like my friends and I, like we were all coming down here and going on boats every weekend and different boats and renting boats and that. And, and it was just like, I mean, you know, especially during COVID where you just, you're either going to be locked up in New York in your house and do nothing or you can be in Miami on the water on a yacht with some, with, with your friends, drinking, having a good time, eating, whatever, listening to music, you know, so. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Here's a crazy question. You know, everybody talks about having these moments like, of you know, everybody gets high or drinking. When was that moment you said, shit, I'm buying a boat? Because I know you must have said, I got to get a boat. So basically, I mean, when I was, you know, it, it, it was it was during like a time, I remember like the season here is usually from like November to the summer, right? That's when the season kind of kicks in. But I started getting into it like in March where it was real high season. Right. And everyone was like, Yo, I need a boat. I need a boat. I need a boat. And I'm like, like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm making the, these, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I have these people calling me for boats. Like, I need my own. Like, I'm, I'm 
I'm kind of tired of like making someone else money yeah. when I could be making all the money. Yeah, that's really the reality of it. Um, so that's really, you know, while everything was down and 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 the music scene was, you know, clubs were closed and the music scene was, you know, music business was shut and whatever, and people were playing in there pajamas uh, you know uh, on on on, on like streams in their pajamas with a cup of coffee sitting down that i was just like man doing that i ain't doing that you said I ain't. man you know i did some cool streams don't get me wrong you know we, we we did some really really cool ones uh in 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 venues with with like hold the whole lighting and visual and green screen and and it was cool but man like it's not the same as playing for a crowd like it, it, it's cool to do, you know to do you know a couple of them but then it's like after the second hour you know i'm like falling lenny like i'm falling asleep man i'm like who am i playing for the wall <laughs> no, you're not getting nothing back you who's for the cameraman who's basically on his phone and just kind of doing nothing like you know and and, and yeah, yeah it was cool you know inter, you know and, and interact with like the, your fans online and, and that and that was great and I loved it but I actually had more fun doing that than the actual stream because it's really like like three four hours of playing music and you're like all right who am I playing for like is there a vibe like where's the where's the people are they dancing like what am I doing you know, you're waiting for somebody to come they don't ever come like, like, man, I was just like, I when is this, it was I was just like, I was just like, when is this gonna end? I was like, wow. I'm like, and and every time I felt like, 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 damn, like, when are the clubs coming back? And when are, when is this coming? So, sure enough, I had to do something, you know, else in the meantime to generate cashola. Yeah, and you know, listen, I talked to a lot of guys, a lot of big guys. And they were struggling and they got into this doing other stuff like you know, playing the market and doing this and doing, and that's great. And, and if you chose to be like, just to sit around and kind of do nothing and wait until clubs or the mute, you know, would reopen or whatever, then you, you had another thing coming because it took what two and a half years for everything to kind of get back into it, clubs were open. Yeah, I didn't look out to my first gigs in January this year. It I mean, was yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, listen, I was, I'll be honest, I was doing some some underground clubs and warehouses in Florida, in Miami, because it was, it was open, you know, but you couldn't really, you know, some other cities, you couldn't really do that. Nope. They weren't having it, you know, and if they were, they were, co cops were coming in and shutting you down. I saw it. I saw it. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not gonna get arrested to, you know, uh, to to play this dingy after hours. So I'm like, I that's what I told people too. The same for me. I, said, I ain't gonna get my ass arrested. I stay right home. Cause that's what was going on. They were coming in and busting people up. Boris, do you want to come back into the game like you had it before? Do you really, or do you like the way you have things set up now? Well, I mean, you know, uh, Things are good, you know. I'm playing on a on a on a on a real consistent level still. You know, still doing big events. Uh, we got a you know got a pretty big event coming up October 22nd at this new venue in Manhattan, Club Vision. Then uh, we're doing a Legends party. Uh, me, Kenny Doe, Basker G, Mark Knight. 
at, at the knockdown center, plus doing other different cities of, you know, you know, playing all over. So we're still doing big, big events. Um, not a, uh, just more, more picking and choosing the events nowadays, as opposed to like doing a warehouse, underground warehouse for whatever you know doing that um you know plus i gotta i gotta be honest i'm like you know super busy you know the boats the boat thing has taken off you know that's why i asked you i mean it's we're super busy you know it's i mean we 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 average we i mean now you know the slowest seasons is september october and we're doing about close to two three charters a week High season, we were doing five, seven a week, and sometimes three a day. Like yeah, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, we were doing triples, doubles and triples. Like we would do like a 12 to four, four to eight, eight to 12, or, you know, so it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's a great business. Again, if you got the network and the means, uh, but it's a lot of time, a lot of work, uh, a lot of, a lot of dealing with like, being patient with clients and stuff like that, are but you, are you know, you boat, are you on the boat at all, or are you just? Yeah, I mean, I, I go here and there, you know, like couple, you know, not often because we're always busy and the boat's always out. Thank God. Um, so you know, I'll go on with 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 some friends here and there, or my wife and I will take it, and you know, just go go out for a little bit, few hours here and there. But no, I mean, I, you know, I concentrate mostly, you know, having it charted. I don't blame you. Yeah. She's a cash cow. Getting that money in. Yeah, baby. I think we covered everything. I think we covered everything. We all love you, Boris, and congratulations. See, you. And I know you're not stopping. That's why I asked you that question, if you were still going to forge forward with what you're known for playing out, traveling, and doing your thing. I guess you're gonna be smart about it because of you of the business. There you go. You got to be smart about it. You know. Thankfully, uh, you know, uh, I was able to to save some shekels <laughs> during my years, and pretty much kind of, you know, found my calling after the music business because. You know, I do what I do. I play out. Yeah. I play out. And then, you know, and truthfully, I'm in the process of purchasing another boat, a bigger one now. How big? 80 footer. So I got a 60 footer now. Uh, and I'm about to purchase an 80 shortly. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great business. It's, it's, I mean, what's it not to love about being in Miami on a boat? Um, and, 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 and the boat generates income. And you just like shake your head. <laughs> we should all have his problem today. Yeah. You got to come down, man. You got to come down. Oh, I will. I will come and see you. I mean, I'm just so proud of you that you're able to do this and revitalize yourself in a completely different way and still keep the music going. Cause I know you love it. Come on, you must you love it like all of us do. Uh it's it's it'll never go away. I mean, it's 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 just in in your blood. It just it doesn't just go away. Uh it's I love the music. I love you know, I love Oh, 
love the whole scene. I love playing for people. I love, right. I, I love them. Are you still pushing Transmit Records? Are you still pushing that hard? Of course. You know, where Transmit Recordings is, is the label. I mean, we've had some pretty big releases with anywhere from like someone like a Method Man we, to Ghostface Killer to different di different guys to, diff you know, different, different, different artists. I have a new release out now uh, with Oscar G. Uh, I have a new one coming out with Salida. Uh, that's coming out actually next week. Uh, and Tom Steffen. Uh, but I, I mean, we've been going strong for seven years. That has led me to also my radio show, Transmissions, which we're going on year six. And we've had every, everyone, except you, Lenny, we haven't had you. Maybe you, we, we got to have you. Uh, we've had everyone from, you know, from the Hot Since 82s to the Pacunas to you name it. They've been Roger, everybody. Everybody has, has done the show. I'd love to do it. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to have you. Um, it's, it's, it's actually syndicated in close to 100 countries. Um, and it's, it's, you know, we, 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 we get close to about, I would say, depending on who the artist is, it, it's a weekly show. I do once a month, and the other three weeks are guests. Okay. Depending on who the artist is, um, you know, we 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 do from anywhere between two thousand and eight thousand to ten thousand plays a oh, week. Oh, wonderful. Yep, yep. Yeah. 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 Check it out. Trans transmissions. You see that everyone? Check it out. Transmissions. Yep. SoundCloud, MixCloud, wherever. Well, you got my vote, dude. There you go. Not this after. I think we cover. Is there anything else? Are oh, you covering? You covered everything. Covered everything. Uh, you have any children yet? No, no kids. That was the question I had because I know you've been married for a while. I was wondering if any kids were around. No kids. Okay. Then we covered everything, children. <laughs> <laughs> because he's not going to grow up. That doesn't mean that means I'm not going to grow up. We're going to keep going. We're, we're keeping it going, baby. We're not growing up. I refuse. I refuse yeah. to grow up. I, I I did not sign up for that part getting old. That's yeah. not part of it. Out. Out. Know, thank you, everyone, for joining us and true our stories. And our man, Boris. Boris, don't leave us. You'll catch us on the next episode, of course. I'll let you all know who I got coming up. We got a lot of great, great guests. And, of course, Boris... You rock the house. Thank you. Thank Have you. Have a great day, everybody. Great night. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. Peace.